0: only thing better than watching tv is taking it personally you guys it's taking it personally and i am so excited for an episode that continues a conversation started on patreon probably around a calendar year ish ago We're talking and just like that, we might be talking about why I had to reschedule this recording. Welcome to Taking It Personally, someone, some people you may know, hosts of the incredible, incredible podcast you might know her from. Welcome to Taking It Personally,
1: Ann Rodeman and Damian Bellino. How are we? Mm, I'm sweaty and nervous to dive in today.
2: (laughs) So good to be here. So good to be here. So excited to talk penis pumps with y'all.
0: Well, I have to tell you, so we actually were supposed to record this yesterday, but I took a small amount of an edible at the Real Housewives of New York premiere and that started a 24-hour cycle that I was able to extricate myself from literally 24 hours in. And I we were supposed to record yesterday morning. I woke up higher than I have ever been in my entire I reached unfortunately the point where it's like, this is not really for me. It was so crazy. I tried watching the new episode of and just like that yesterday and i had to stop because it felt like i was inside of it like virtual reality so when carrie was at the costume party i i felt like i was inside the party which was truly not a pleasant experience for me so i'm so excited to no longer be flying high so that we can deep dive this deep dive this episode which i did just watch properly So I'm excited to talk about it with you guys.
2: I have to say, you know, Anne can speak to this maybe more coherently than I even can. But there was one time I've had so many terrible experiences on edibles. (laughs) Like why I continue to (laughs) dabble in them is is at this point I've decided to just move to mushrooms. But I will say one time (laughs) I was leaving L.A. and I was like on a red eye. And my friend Stephanie, who actually you both know, was like, take this edible. It'll help you sleep. It did maybe, but then I woke up. High as a fucking kite. I had flown into Newark. I was like, how do I get home? I was on the train from, like, on the New Jersey transit. Beads of sweat rolling down my... I eventually woke a woman up because it was, like, a 7 a.m. train. and was like, is this train going to New York City? She was like, yes. I got to Times Square. I was supposed to go directly into my office. And I called Ann and said I was at... I was outside of my office. And I said, Ann... I am lost. And she said, you've lived in New York for 15 years. What's happening? And I was like, I think I went on a thing. And then she realized what's happening. And she was like "Get in a cab. And she was talking to me about the Emmy Awards. And I was like, you're talking me down. I see what you're doing. But I was like high all day. I just had to go home and go to sleep.
1: Yeah. You have to call it a day at a certain point.
0: That was the, I had to call it a day at like eight in the morning yesterday. And my mom had been staying with me for a couple of days. She thought I was having a neuro episode, which I didn't realize until hours later. So she was actually concerned. And I'm not supposed to have the previous conversation or previous AG. I was like, I can't have them. Whatever I did it one time, loved it. Great, great little bouncy castle kind of energy. And then at this event, I was just, like, I didn't even let her finish talking. I literally was like, yep, I'll take it. Thanks so much. So maybe that was my, you know, I did a series um, premiere and finale. And that's kind of where we find ourselves. Because it was why I went to let my mom drag me to lunch at one point, And I was I couldn't stop laughing. She was like and like scratching my face. She was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I said, I'm hi, Toby. I don't know what to tell you. Get me off. Um, but listen, speaking of getting off, uh, we got to talk. About this show. So, the three of us recorded a wild, wild journey. I think after the end of season one, or maybe in the middle. I think it was after it had ended. Maybe.
2: I don't, maybe I don't during. Remember. I, I don't quite remember. Maybe
0: during. Okay. For the AG Patreon, which you guys can listen, I think it was like an hour and a half long. It was a wild ride. Yeah,
2: it was definitely long.
0: So, we had a certain feeling about the first season can you tell the ags the tippers which is the thing nobody wants about kind of your feeling about the first season this reboot even happening and how
1: you feel now Mm. I was very excited for it um but apprehensive because I was all in regardless of like my feelings about how the original show ended the movies I was like you know what I'm all in I thought it was one of the worst things I'd ever seen in my life. I was mad that they used Kim Cattrall as a prop, uh, as like a dramatic prop, and then she didn't, uh, you know, show her face. Um, I felt like all the characters had brain damage and weren't really the previous versions of themselves that we had known for so many years. That being said, I watched it religiously every week, and we talked about it ad infinitum. So I think it, like, succeeded in that way. And I have to say that this season so far has think surprised me, but I think they auto-corrected a little bit of the problems from season one of and Just Like That and made it slightly more fun and less depressing. Um, and I don't even think it's really about how season one was just about Carrie's grief. I really don't think that's the problem with season one. I think that's what all of the press is trying to say is like, now it's lighter mm. because she's in a new place. So I was like, I don't think that's what it was. I thought it was horrible writing and like a lack of knowledge of what people want from the show. So. I still think it's horrible, but I'm enjoying it like probably 21% more. Mm-hmm.
2: I think I, you know, I agree with it to take a beloved show, one of my favorite shows and reboot it. It's like I'm excited, but also why would you do this? You don't even have all of the central characters. And now it's sort of like we're taking all of the people you love from this old your four, your favorite show and putting them into a new show that's sort of a dramedy with like four new char- two, four new main characters. And all the recurring characters are also now series regulars. So there's like 12 characters and it's sort of a dramedy. And it's like, okay, this is not what like, this is not what the old show is. And I get it. You're making it very clear. It's not the old show, but also you want the goodwill from the old show. Yeah. So like, I do agree with what Anja said, which is like, so, the season feels lighter and feels more fun. And like, we're getting like Harry shooting blanks and that's a storyline and Charlotte's a cum pig. And I'm like, cool, I'm, like, kind of into it. Like, I don't know that I feel like Carrie saying jizz four times at a table when she wouldn't say vaginal secretion in the episode before is really in line with who Carrie ever was. But I agree that that like the way that the three of them were firing at the brunch felt familiar, and I feel like they have given us more comedy and more sex this season, which feels correct. And I also agree with Anne that the first season was – like, sad and serious and not fun, and it wasn't because of Carrie's Grief, it was because they were, like, trying to be so heavy-handed with, like, themes of, like, like, I just am so baffled that, like, the show continues to want to talk about, like, real things, like, trans identity and racism and, uh, you know, being a widow and all of these things, but, like, the old show was good at finding ways to talk about, like, things that were, like, quote-unquote edgy, I'm not sure if those things are edgy, but, like, things that were, like, considered taboo, like, butt sex in fun ways. And, like, this show, it's like, oh, like, Miranda's just having a nervous breakdown rather than, like, let's like is is open marriage or being ethically non-monogamous like nobody in this world knows what that is and nobody is that and to me that would be like what the new sex in the city would be it would be talking about like being on apps and people everyone being in a relationship but dating and like how like carrie's dating a man who's in a marriage like that would be what new sex in the city would be and this show doesn't seem interested still in really broaching that it still seems interested with like the old archetypes of like Let's go to a, ho- a five-star hotel bar and meet a man, a rich man. And it's like, okay, okay, cool. Everyone's just getting divorced now. Now they're just divorcing everybody. Anyway, I'm on a tangent, but those those are my feelings from season one. I think it's a little bit better, but I almost liked how bad it was season one. It made me talk more about it, and now I'm kind yeah. of more like, eh, it's, like, fine. It's, like, better than it was, but now it's, like, less terrible to to rip apart.
1: Do
0: you think it's possible to watch it? not necessarily having a relationship with sex
1: in the city or does it require that i think it doesn't I meaning i think you could watch it it would still be bad but i think that it would actually maybe be better if you had absolutely no relationship to adult, because you'd be like oh good julie halston's in every single episode that's wonderful i love that for her um when in fact it doesn't really make sense in the world of the original series
0: Yeah. And it also kind of makes me wonder, how is this impacting my years long relationship with Sex and the City in and of itself? Like, how is this potentially hurting or harming just my overall connection to that original show? Like, what happens to the original success if the reboot seemingly doesn't work out?
2: I think about that a lot actually because I feel like the first season was such a hot topic and I and maybe this is as well but it seems like less in the zeitgeist in terms of like conversation and I was like, you know, we know that Kim we know that Samantha is coming in some sort of capacity in a cameo with the finale. And originally I was like, well that's to set up like like if it I'm if this season is as, as successful as the first season was, which allegedly was HBO's Max's most successful show ever original series. I was like, you know, this is just like, they went to her and said, we need more people to subscribe, come back, and I have to assume that this is a ploy to get her into season three. And now I'm like, is it going to end after this season? Like, is this just like, is it done? Is it like, is it, it's going to kill the legacy? But I think the movie's already sort of fucked the legacy up a Mm -hmm. little bit, right? And this show lives more in, it doesn't live entirely in the movie universe, but it definitely lives more in the movie universe than, like it, it like lives more in the movie universe than I wish it did. It's like a little bit still more about like aspirational in a way that was like, yes, Carrie had expensive shoes, but she also was like quote unquote broke, and like that was what it was like, both uh, accessible and relatable, but also aspirational because she had like a quote unquote fabulous life. And now it's like her getting conned to give a hundred thousand dollars to Candace Bergen, and I'm like, okay, dokey. Everybody's just like, uh, like, like it's just weird because they the women, because they have aged, now are, like, just, like, Charlotte used to be a woman who aspired to be something, and now she's, like, what she aspired to be, and it's different because she's, like, a, a, a rich housewife to a lawyer and a stay-at-home mother who always is in, like, couture or, like, um, uh, like, vintage, you know, whatever, Ralph Lauren, and that feels correct for Charlotte, but also it just doesn't, like, we used to watch Charlotte, like, have a life that existed beyond being a rich housewife there's nothing wrong with being a rich housewife it just feels like that's not what the original conceit of the show was so it's like how do we hold all of these things in in our hands together
1: I I feel like I know a lot of people that are watching the series that were diehards, but I know a fair amount of people that loved the original series have like middling allegiances to the films and are not watching and just like that. And I feel like that's kind of telling because I think if IP is king, like they're obviously gathering up a fair amount of us. But I think there's a lot of people that are totally checked out that don't care enough about it. And like even Kim Cattrall coming back is not going to lure people to the show. And I think that I just don't think enough people are watching it to have it maintain it it just isn't in the zeitgeist in the same way that the original series were or the movies were so I think there's just going to be like I think history will forget it in a way that when we talk about the show in 25 years people like remember that there was this tack on show that was sort of a little embarrassing and didn't resemble the original series that's I think that assessment is already happening in real time like people are forgetting it
0: and Hmm. it seems like the Kim moment is a literal cameo that's going to leave Lead to nothing more. She didn't allow Michael Patrick King on set. She didn't allow iconic. any member, literally <laughs> so iconic. Cool. I it's literally so cool. stand. She spoiled this announcement, which pissed the fuck out of at least SJP and Cynthia Nixon, which I also absolutely stand. She was like, oh, also, not only am I doing this as a nothing burger. Um, and I'm bringing back Pat Fields, who you motherfuckers couldn't get, but she's dressing me. She's going to be, like, sitting in a limo, apparently, or something, <laughs> some sort of car. And I think what's going to happen is Carrie's going to beep boop, 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 or, like, answer a phone, and it's going to go to Samantha, who says hello, and then cut to black. Like, maybe. it's not going to go anywhere. They have now – they're trying to now set expectations because people really think maybe there could be the promise of something, and they're – is quite literally no promise of anything except Kim Cattrall going on Instagram to make sure people are aware of exactly what date and what episode she's on <laughs> to really, cause she is actually a woman of the people she's looking out for us. So for people who are
2: happy Pride, to struggle, she was like happy pride. She said
0: yeah. happy pride. You don't have to watch any other fucking part of this goddamn mess, except for two seconds on August, whatever, which I honestly, I mean, team Kim, team Kim for days. All
2: the way. I feel like that's so interesting now that I'm thinking about the actor strike and about like that they won't be able to promote the show anymore. Cause and everyone was like, I wish she didn't spoil it. And now I'm like, well, I think that you're, I think. I, at first, I was like, did she did she break an NDA to do that? Because the, the because it's weird to me that the stars of the show then would say, like, it's a shame that was spoiled. But, like, she couldn't have broken her NDA. She so... couldn't have signed
0: an NDA. There's no way. you the, When the president of Max or also planet Earth calls her and says, can you do me a <laughs> favor? I'm going to give you Pluto and Mars if you just give me four hours of your life. I don't think. I think they didn't have, I don't think an NDA I was necessary. I think that she was like,
2: I think she said, I want to do the press to be able to like frame this how I want, which is to say, it's not a return. It's a cameo. And also like she wanted to be able to say the head of Max called me and I got to do this on my terms, which included bringing my best friend, famous lesbian. I also like, I Sarah, I know you and I are aligned on this and I don't know that we've talked about this. Other Also other people have told me that they don't feel any way, but like, I think the costumes are absolutely like, terrible the only person who i think is like is lisa todd wexley who goes like, she's a new character so i can yes. be like in into it but like yeah. carrie it's like somebody's like let's put carrie in rubber gloves and a babushka and like <laughs> a prairie dress and also a fur because that's how crazy carrie was and i'm like it's terrible so anyway i just say all of i agree okay. agree okay. i think that kim was like i'm i get to frame how i come back and now the other women are like i wish it wasn't spoiled
0: Just to say, I I don't think that there was any conversation between Kim and the powers that be about how this was going to be discussed. I truly think Kim was like, (laughs) I'm doing press for other shit. You're going to ask me. I don't think there was any strategy conversation with Kim Cattrall because it for what purpose like I think that maybe they were like this is so special like let's not maybe tell anybody and then she zagged left like there is no I don't think that they had any strategy with her of her being able to tell her story I think they were hopeful this wouldn't be discussed in any way so that it could be a true surprise and she was like go fuck yourself
1: I love the idea that she, like, you know, let's say she got, like, $12 million to appear for the show, and then her NDA was like, if you break this, it's $12 million. And she was like, great, fuck, I broke even, and I got to fuck the show. Goodbye. Like, that's that's my dream scenario, because I think she's a badass.
2: The show is still, like, I still look forward to watching it, because I keep wanting it to be, like, I want, like, there's those moments where I get excited and I would say like a lot of the brunch scenes, like when they're talking about sex, I feel like there's these moments when the women are firing and their chemistry is, is very real that I'm like, Oh, like this is fun for this, for these few moments. But I just feel like there's not enough real estate in the show. They've added all of these characters. I'm into new characters, but I feel like what worked about the original show is we had the Carrie's column and that sort of, that provided a a framework for the show. This was the theme of the episode. It was being dating a bisexual man. It was, you know, dating whatever, a guy who just got divorced, whatever it was. And we saw each woman in some way op- like live within that theme. Whether, you know, if Carrie's the A story and Miranda's the B story, but then Charlotte and Samantha are like C and D and they're like the runners, they're the broad comedy, broad strokes. And then they come together for a few moments for brunch. Clearly they're like working against that structure. But I think what is hard though, is then it's like, we get like Lisa Todd Wexley in bed with whatever his name is from Hamilton. And then they don't come back to them. But then we're like with Che and Miranda in like their apartment. And then we cut to Charlotte and Harry. And then we go back to Miranda and Che in the apartment. And I'm like, this is too many scenes of the same scene. Like, Just I wanted to move quicker. I want them to like decide who the leads are, and I feel like other people don't need to be in every single episode if they're not the lead character. Like, I'm so confused. Naya was like in an open or Naya was like separated and like a, a badass like attorney and professor, and now she's like. Going through a divorce, which was like never discussed, but then she's like, so I'm going through, me and my husband are getting a divorce and I'm like, you were separated a minute ago. Like you just, you just had a conversation with him. And then it's like, now she's like on the prowl and she's like, has, she's bird brains now too. And she's like, Miranda, you're my best friend. And I'm like, since when? Like let, let some of this feel earned. And also like, I'm into Naya, but she doesn't need to be in every episode. If we don't have enough real estate to let that, let that character become fully developed. And We're giving a lot of real estate to Che. So let's talk about that. What does that mean?
1: I think the show is trolling us a little bit, and I think they know what they're doing with Che, um, which was not clear in the first season. But I just I did write down a few notes from this season just in terms of clues to the fact that I think the writers room actually, besides the fact that the show is called Che Passa. Remember that Che was gonna <laughs> che was gonna gouge whoever they were subletting their apartment to. It's like Che is a villain. They use the term poly pioneer and Curry Lingus. And oh, Curry um... Lingus <laughs> was
0: so tough on the new okay. episode. I was really
1: not. No, man, it, it's it's so bad. And like, honestly, that stand up joke about taking an Uber from their bedroom to their bathroom was just like the show knows that Che is a hack. So if Che is the villain, like, why are we giving Miranda this? prolonged, seemingly dramatic storyline where I don't think that they're letting us get to the heart of Che at all. I do think that actually Miranda was very I think Cynthia Nixon was very good in that scene where Che was like, I need space. I need actually a few days. And I was like, this is so stupid. But then they cut to Cynthia Nixon and I was like, I think she can act again. I think she forgot how to act last season between And just like that and the Gilded Age, something was going wrong in her like (laughs) synapses. But I think that she's back this season and maybe it's the red hair. I don't know what it is, but I'm like on board with what Cynthia Nixon is doing as Miranda this season, even though I feel like it's still a departure for Miranda.
0: I mean, but I I don't think Miranda lives here anymore do you think
1: think she's just like a totally different character
0: I don't recognize her at all I also feel like Cynthia Nixon is way too fucking involved in this show and I Mm. genuinely blame her for a lot of the downfall (laughs) like they make a a fucking point of talking about her like as a direction as a director and her like vision for the series and I really do think that Cynthia Nixon was behind the creation and implementation of Che and like a lot of the response and theme of the new episode was direct Directly responding to critique about Che yes. allowing the character of Miranda to be like oh my god that's so terrible let me come for you and then I'm gonna respond in the nicest in the most emotionally supportive way because she's really essentially and by she I mean Miranda aka Cynthia is responding to critics of mm. what she has done
1: yeah, and I think this points to the fact that the show is so interested in correcting its ills and its, like, errors from the original, which is that it was, like, so white and so heteronormative, really transphobic, homophobic, not sex positive, that, like, you can't correct all those things. So, like, why not just engage with the fact that, like, you're uncomfortable with the fact that Che is polyamorous and, uh, uh like... maybe wants to be in an open relationship like why don't we just have honest responses to that and I feel like if the second half of the season is Miranda sort of getting her brain back and being like actually what I want is like choosing myself I'm more open to that but I I agree I think that she is interested in trying to correct the narrative of the original series
2: well and I also don't know that like Uh, But, like, is the show interested in Che being polyamorous or in an open relationship? Because that's what they were initially. Like, that's what they said they were. But then they're in a monogamous relationship with Miranda and in love. And I feel like it would have been more interesting if Miranda dated a person who then was, like, fucking women or other people, rather, on the road on their stand-up tour or when they were living in L.A. And Miranda had to reckon with, like, I'm infatuated with this person. I love this person. So I'm, like, doing this version of a relationship but rather it's like okay so now you're in a monogamous relationship with this person rather than Steve so like okay i just don't think the show is interest like it feels like maybe those conversations or those storylines are like too still too like fringe culture for this mainstream show to deal with so it's like Telling us that this is what this is, but then it's still like okay, but now you're in a monogamous relationship with Che. Well,
1: they were who, trying to I fuck agree. Oliver Hudson, who they were married to previously. Mm.
2: Yes. Also, Sada Ramirez <laughs> got whatever like synapse disease. Uh, Cynthia Nixon had. Now Sada Ramirez has it because they can't act. But no. like, so it's also like confusing to me. I, I agree that like at first I was like, is Che the Mister Big of this series? Which is to say, they will always be a presence, but they're sort of a menace to Miranda's life in the way that Big was like in and out of Carrie's like, changed her, she was in love with him, but he also, like, was, like, mistreated her. Like, is Che gonna always be in and out? But they're giving so much real estate to Che as, like, like, they we have story with Che without Miranda now. We're watching Che watch the, what is it, like, the Q... The, the, the test groups, you know, like through the, um, so, I, and Miranda's not there. So I'm like, uh, but then I'm into Miranda being like, they should eat shit and die. I was like, well, I felt like old Miranda a little bit. Like old Miranda is showing a little bit through, but I don't think I care about Che unless it's directly in relation to them fucking Miranda or fucking over Miranda.
0: Also, I don't think that they consider Che a villain. I think that's something that some members of the audience feel toward Che Maybe specific to Che, but also specific to like where the fuck did Miranda go? And uh, I felt like this episode was like, um, if you dislike Che, just know that was, um, wrong. And here is how upset that makes Che. Like it's just, I don't, I don't see them under operating under a structure where. This situation is not productive for us, the audience, let alone the characters.
2: Some writer, and maybe you remember or know, some writer from the show did an interview where they were like, "I think the audience like thinks we don't know, like we're not in Samantha on Samantha
1: Irby, I can't remember. I
2: can't remember if it was Samantha or not, but I feel like. That's why I'm giving them grace, and then after that that thing where they have like the the gender queer person from Brooklyn be like, "Chay's a fucking hack. Chay's a loser. <laughs> like this is not Like Chay's crying about being non-binary. Chay's awful. Chay like can't afford to live in Hudson Yard." And I was like, or whatever Okay, they the fact here, they said, that
1: Chay lives in Hudson Yards, I think, is a clue to the fact that they the show thinks that Chay is a loser. I'm sorry, I do see I don't somebody think somebody in the that's room.
2: True.
0: I think it's true. I think it's funny to us who know New York City and know that Hudson Yards is the forgotten place, but I don't, I don't know that that's supposed to be That's. I don't know that that's like an Easter egg. I'm
1: not giving them credit for it, but I think somebody is inserting material for me about Che and I appreciate whoever that singular (laughs) person is in the room because I'm sorry, Polly Pioneer is embarrassing. I feel like they're giving them embarrassing language.
0: It feels, this show feels embarrassing. I'm sorry. Yes. It's I'm, I'm I'm a little embarrassed watching it. Also, Peter Herman is so hot.
2: And he I was really like, hot. yes,
0: like Carrie needs to get fucked. And like that didn't happen. And I'm just like, where did all this sex go? Why does the sex not feel sexy or hot in any way? It's It's just, I feel like the writers don't want anyone to get fucked. Like someone should get fucked. <laughs> like I just yeah. like. Who is in that writer's room? Too many HR meetings.
1: They're giving Cynthia Nixon, like, all of the embarrassing sex stuff again. And, like, I feel like they were trying to give a nod to, like, lesbian sex and strap-ons. But once again, was just sort of, like, an embarrassing moment for Miranda. And she was full frontal in that first, like, episode with sensory Mm -hmm. deprivation tank. I think she's a great physical comedian. I'm into it but once again the show like saddles the load with the one person who's willing to do nudity and the only male nudity that we've seen all season was like a dick of an old man on a phone. Like if you're going to No dig- and also
2: and also Harry well not this season but Harry had the prosthetic dick last season. Right show us some real shows her fucking breast, dick, though, right?
1: What's that? Kristen she did she did breast. this season. She did but then she had her bra on in the next episode which was like fine. I wonder if she's like I'll do it twice this season on episodes 2 and 9. It feels like the
0: show was written by an intimacy coordinator, except one that like, wasn't <laughs> funny. And I That's love an it. Inti- Put it, on I love it. That's funny. I love an intimacy coordinator, like, unlike yeah, the idols, I think they're incredibly important. But I also need some writers who are funny people. And I feel like <sighs> the writer's room consists of, like, 11 bananas. Like, I just don't. I'm not really seeing it. I'm not really Here's- seeing it happen. Shout out to AstroPro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use AstroPro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is, looking for Duranda on the Upper East Side, AstraPro always has my back and nose. Paris is always a good idea, and when I schlep on over to Europe to my favorite city in the world, I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives. C'est bon, c'est bon. Chic, c'est la vie. Je m'appelle the Countess. N'est-ce pas, (laughs) Luann. And while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French bravoholic for other matters of life... (laughs) That's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways, there's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. There's a speech recognition filter, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options, and it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's Lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Today. I just came back from the salon and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy and that's why I love whey. Whey's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair, and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet and that's why i love whey's anti-frizz cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair i still look like me just a little elevated and p.s i am way obsessed with whey's other best sellers their leave-in conditioner detox shampoo my personal favorite frizz free up your schedule with whey go to t-h-e dot icom and enter promo code ANDY for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com with promo code ANDY. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with estro control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has hormone harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of hormone harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDYSGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL.
2: like an example of like the writing being confusing to me is in the most recent episode this is such a weird specific it just like I was so confused by it so uh Miranda and Che are at dinner and and like Miranda's like this red curry is really really hot and me and my and me and Brenna are we you guys know Brenna we were watching it together and I was like Okay, and would, why is this happening? And Brenda was like, they already did this storyline where like Miranda had a date with a guy who had spicy food and then he like had the diarrhea, and I was like, oh my God, you're right. They did. But then also like there wasn't a payoff except for che making what I could argue is a, even a homophobic joke about curry lingus, but like making a joke about like honey, like about about getting eat, eaten out with like a spicy mouth. and then it was done. And I was like, Miranda's lived in New York for we could argue what thirty some years. I have to assume that she's had curry that she's had spicy food. This is so it's not telling me anything about this character and then there's no payoff later in the episode. So like what is this writing telling us about Miranda? To me it's telling me like like it's telling me a version of Miranda that I don't believe exists based on the fact that there's a prequel to this show that was on for 6 years and two movies where Miranda was like a lifelong New Yorker who was like who we know was eating at indian restaurants and thai restaurants and having spicy food it's like it was so irritating to me because i just felt like it was so pedestrian and it was like that they don't have a bible for the show where people are looking up stuff and being like we did th- like they already did this in a previous season or like what is the reason for including this why not edit this line out it's not funny it's not funny and also like a, i don't know just like it i, I just find it so irritating
1: Yeah. And to that point, like what you were saying earlier, is Carrie extremely wealthy now because big is dead? That's fine. But is Miranda poor? She's buying a used mattress in what world? Even separated, even now going back into academia and working, you know, doing social work or whatever she's doing, defense lawyering, she could afford a $600 twin mattress new. There's no version where she would be buying a fucking bed at Housing Works.
2: I agree. A mattress, like maybe a bed frame, but a
0: mattress? And what happened to her love of, I mean, I know that she was exhausted with like the hours of being a corporate lawyer, but like what happened to that part of Miranda's brain? Because I feel like all we're watching is this woman who does not seem to be in any way in charge of her own life, which P.S. is a struggle many people experience, certainly many women experience. So I get that. I also understand that we're seeing her at a different point in her life than during the original series. So I want to, like, make sure that there's grace for that kind of, like, transition or chaos. But also, like, who is this? It's like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Like, I don't know who this person is. There's no glimmer of hope when I see her that she's anything other than a vessel of reaction. And, like, (laughs) I I don't know. Like angst, nervousness. She could be having some sort of, I don't know, like I, I, I just I don't know how to encapsulate it except to say that this is not. Uh, there were so many aspects of Miranda that were that felt like brave and strong. And I understand that if she doesn't feel in control of her life anymore, the ways that that can kind of feed out at a certain point, but also like, who is this person? I don't get it, and I don't get what they've done to Steve, too. It's, it feels, like, disrespectful.
1: No, it is. I feel like they did, uh, at least they made Steve hot and shirtless, as opposed to just being like, oh, he's deaf, actually, in season one. Um, I, I feel like they at least were reactionary in that way. But it is. It's depressing. I mean, I feel like their journey was one of the most satisfying arcs of the show and of the movie. I, mean, I feel like that was at least something that was true in the original film, That I appreciated. And I feel like for me, the way they could pay Miranda off this season is if she like finally cuts it off with Che because it's like emotionally not healthy for her, moves back to New York, moves out of the house in Brooklyn, and gets an apartment by herself in Manhattan and starts like dating and working as a defense lawyer. Like to me, that would be the arc that would be truest to the Miranda that we know, even in this chaos.
0: But I don't think Cynthia Nixon wants that to happen. I think she wants us to apologize for being upset about last season and to apologize to (laughs) Che and to apologize (laughs) to Miranda Hobbs wherever that character may exist in whatever alternate universe that is certainly not on HBO Max. So, like, I don't. Like, I really think that Cynthia Nixon was behind the name change from HBO to Max because she said, (laughs) I know the identity of this audience. Maybe you guys have heard I'm also now a director and I have some thoughts and feels about this change. Like, it's just... I don't know. I'm not sure. And also how much trust do they have in the audience to just sit around and watch bullshit for a couple episodes in the hopes that maybe some aspect of Miranda is going to feel somewhat grounded. That's a lot of trust and expectation to have that people are still going to continue to give a shit at the end of 10 episodes.
2: Yeah. I, I, yeah. I like what you said about offering like the character of Miranda grace presuming that or, or as we know that they are in a different point in their life and i thought that the one moment of this new show and i think maybe actually like the only moment um thus far that i like thought was sort of interesting in, in miranda's evolution was when we last saw her in like the show she or like on sex in the city brady was a so was a baby and she was like like re- sort of resentful and it was like funny because it was like, wow, Mar- of all of them, Miranda's the mom now. And she sort of like is annoyed that she has a kid and it was funny and it was like relatable in a way of like, yes, maybe we like quote unquote want kids, but like also like, well, how does it change your life? Flash forward, however many years, 20 some years or 20 years now we're seeing her like be like the mother to a young adult son. And I thought like when he called her and she was like in pragmatic, like get back to your hostel, call me. Like I was like, okay, like I'm into seeing Miranda, like, be mama bear in a way that feels Miranda. Like I'm going to be, I'm good at logistics. I can figure this out. I need to make sure you're okay. But then it was like, then they became bird brain again. And we're like, no, I'll stick my phone in my pantyhose. And it's like, it would have been cooler if Miranda was like, I'm not going to chase taping. Cause my kid takes priority to my new lover that I like, I'm, that i found in my midlife crisis. Like I'm going to go fly back to New York and like, make sure my kid gets back there and like meet like him at JFK. That would have felt cooler to me, but I liked seeing like little glimmers of Miranda getting to be like mama bear. But then in this week's episode, she's like, Carving a pumpkin and like waking up at four in the morning to like see him at the morning. I was like, he's like 18 and and like out of high school now. So, like, that doesn't feel like Miranda. Like, Miranda like dropping everything to make sure her kid is okay while like they're going through heartbreak in a different country. Yes. Miranda waking up at four in the morning to carve a pumpkin to greet her like an 18, 19 year old son when he wakes up. Not Miranda. So, like, I just feel like the show is just like. It just doesn't feel like anybody in the room knows the characters. Well, it
0: feels like they're upset at the idea that some of these characters might be unlikable. Like, there used to be a pride in that. There used to be a pride in, like, making a choice and just riding that fucking wave. And it feels like they put so much pressure on the show structure itself to teach us a lesson or be good that they forgot how to be funny. Or I I don't even think funny is the goal anymore. I think the, the goal is for somebody to like figure out a meandering smile. I don't think that anybody thinks that this show is still funny. I think that maybe they might say like, it's kooky crazy at points, but I don't think that they think this is a funny show. I don't think that's the goal anymore for the show, which is why I, I'm being driven up a fucking wall.
1: Yeah. Also, like, all of those choices that each friend may- made in the original series had consequences for the friend group or individual relationships within this group, whereas now they're splintered off so much that, like, Miranda's relationship with Che has no effect on the three remaining characters. Like, it isn't even an interplay between the three of them anymore.
0: Um. Also... I just want to um, say that if um, Carrie has all this fucking money because Big died when she's at urgent care, why doesn't she hand out her credit card? If she's deeply worried that this man like doesn't have money, why is she bringing like $15 containers of soup from Citerella, a place nobody in New York actually shops at? Why? Why isn't she going up to the person when he's saying my car doesn't work? Otherwise, why is she there? Why did she wait the entire time? It was her fault that the accident happened. Why is this woman who seemingly has bajillions of dollars, not just like paper? It was like dumb stuff because it it continues the story so that she can check on him with soup. I'm like, none of this. Then do something. I don't know. Be better. Be better.
2: I think that like what I keep thinking about is like and i it's not this is not a show that i particularly loved but like i'm thinking like what if friends came back but like jennifer aniston and lisa kudrow were like nah and so they brought back the four other characters and we're like okay now it's like we're going to introduce some like people of color and it's an, like a 45 minute dramedy and so but it's not the original show but it's like then we're watching monica at, like dinner with like you know gunther and like another and like a new character it's like I just am confused what the point is. Like, I just don't know what the point is because this is not what the original show is. And, like, I want Carrie and Miranda to get in a fight about Miranda's identity, Miranda spiraling out, Miranda, like, leaving her husband and child. But to Anne's point, like, there aren't consequences. Like, either they're too splintered or because, to your point, that this idea of like be of like piety like that they are like all good and that like all of our actions are to like get to the other like we're giving the characters themselves like there's a lot of talk now just like in culture of uh Self-care, self-love, offering ourselves grace, but also like when sometimes when you do shitty things in your real life, you're mad at yourself, and I feel like we aren't getting enough of like Miranda. Like I appreciated this week when she put that clown nose on and was like, "I'm a comic relief. That is my life." And I was like, "Finally, we're addressing that you blew up your fucking life because neither of your best friends. I guess Miranda, uh, uh, Charlotte did it. will they got in a fight where she was like." What? You're like, now you're dating a non-binary person. Like, I don't think you're, like, I don't think you're evolved enough was the fight, though. Not like, I don't, like, like what are you doing? You haven't, like, I just feel like I'm not a straight woman of, who's 15 has kids. But I feel like there had to be a conversation of, like, your kid's a senior in high school. You're married. Don't you want to be with him? Like, he, like he's going to move out next year. Like, just, like, some version of, like, what feels like it's grounded in reality. I feel like the show is at both... I don't know, guys. I'm just spiraling now. Now I'm spiraling. I'm Miranda.
0: (laughs) Well, and I also think, like, the original show would have been like, go fuck yourself to the idea of this environment that really does exist, that we find ourselves in, of cancel culture and of the way of um, sometimes being so careful about how a person is communicating that they no longer have anything to say. And I think instead of that, the show is like, Yep, that's that's right. That's the path. That's how we like get acceptance and approval is we just be as safe as humanly possible. It feels like the show is so fucking safe. And then they keep specific instances of almost sex or something to be like, oh, and also there's like a struggle here with like using a vibrator and having that have sound like that feels like the thing that's going to add a little flair. And it's just landing with a thud.
1: And I feel like when the original series was on, there wasn't that sort of frank discussion of sex among, like, female characters. So, of course, it was groundbreaking at the time and, like, flash forward 20-some years. And, like, maybe what would be groundbreaking was seeing, like, women over 50 fucking with abandon because, like, what you're doing now is, to your point, like, showing vibrators and penis pumps and, like, a strap-on is not edgy or funny. Like, lots of people are more evolved in the general sense of, like, being more sex-positive. So let's actually show, like, older women fucking and what that looks like and what the hazards and comedy of that is as opposed to this sort of, like, very um, nicey-nice attempting-to-be-politically-correct version of the original show.
0: Yeah, maybe Sex and the City is back and its new name is Welcome to Crappy Lake. Like, maybe (laughs) Sex and the City is back and. If you want to see women in control of their lives and their bodies and their interest in a certain amount of sexual abandon and sexual, um, I don't, I don't want to, say, and just like true independence, you can watch some of the later seasons of the original Real Housewives of New York because that's where I'm seeing women <laughs> in their fifties, like be fucking and stuff and getting into fights and having stakes and being really funny I'm not seeing it on sex in the city anymore but you could I guess watch it on peacock
2: I guess that's like that is the thing like it, the show doesn't have any stakes at at least in the interpersonal relationships between any of the women and I feel like So the three main characters, like, they're fine. Like, there's no drama between the three of them, which, like, it wasn't always fueled by drama between them. It just, like, there were stakes about, like, what they were doing in their lives. Like, they had commentary. We got that about uh, Harry, like, shooting no cum which I thought was, like, a moment that sort of worked. Again, I don't believe Carrie would have said jizz four times in public, mm-hmm. but I thought that, like, that, that Charlotte's personal scene and the ways that it related back to brunch felt true to the original series. Yeah. But I don't think we're getting any of that with Carrie or Miranda's personal storylines, and I don't think that we've opened it up, the other women, up to that. I think Seema is the, char- the new character that works best, and I think that's because she is, the proxy for Samantha. She came into the original, the new series single already. Unlike Naya, they didn't have to like make her coming out of a relationship and she's not married like LTW. And we're getting to see her sort of like smoke, have one night stands, go on dates, have agency when it comes like, like to your point about the housewives, like she is, out there fucking and having a whole life and agency that is not, that is separate from the friend group, but then able to come back and share stories about like the penis pump. And again, I thought that was a moment that worked like her arc in the most recent episode. It's like, we saw LTW and uh again, what's his name fucking like for a second in like their, in his Halloween costume. And that was all, that was the end of their like story in the episode. But for Seema, we got to see her, Talk about going to the hotel. Go to the hotel. Meet the guy. Fuck the guy. See the pump. Relate it back. Then go back and fuck him again, and he and then get herself off. And he le- left. And she was like, and I was like, great. That is a complete arc in an episode. We don't need it to carry over into four episodes. I don't care enough about her yet to need that. But I appreciated that it felt like I was getting sex. I was getting agency. There were stakes, because and it was funny. And I was like, perfect. I love this. I just want that to be each character to be treated with the same weight. Or to not be, for example, Anthony doesn't need to be at brunches. I love him. Mm. I love Mario Cantone. But like he doesn't need to suddenly be given the weight that like it's just too many characters. Harry showing up at a wig. I, I was did, into it. In the I, did post, like but like, I did like that like
0: wig. I did like that like,
2: Like there was no resolution. It was like he didn't make the photo shoot fuck up. He wasn't right that something was afoot. He just showed up and then that was like the end of the moment. He was like, okay, I'm leaving.
0: I feel like there's going to be some sort of weird follow up where something goes wrong or the pictures aren't used in a way and he is able to say, I told you so. Like I felt like him saying that last line was sort of ominous. I oh, don't think that it was like him just being wrong. I think we're just
1: going to continue and drag this out and have something fucking happen i agree that i think sema works the best and on the other side of that coin they gave ltw that i think frankly like embarrassing and hateful storyline about uh christopher jackson by the way the george washington joke was not lost on me and it was horrible and it made me so mad um (laughs) because does christopher jackson play I don't George George Washington Washington and Hamilton. Hamilton, And I was like, this show is so enthralled with the idea that he was in Hamilton and it's frankly (laughs) exhausting. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like, um, I, I could not believe the way that storyline went with LTW and him and the cab and his mother-in-law. um, or or his mother and right. like the respectability politics of being like you're a black man you have to keep your shit under control because otherwise it's like is that the message that this show is sending that they think is like this is how we insert black characters into this universe and this is the message that we're putting out into the world I was so angry at it I actually think Nicole Ari Parker is excellent as LTW and like understands the genre of the show understands the world she is in is delivering her material perfectly but like has really nothing to do. And I was so mad that that was the storyline that they gave her.
0: Yeah.
2: I agree. Like, I like her. I feel like the character feels fun. Like, I feel like she and Seema feel like they're in the universe of the other women. Like, uh, Nicole Ari Parker is essentially like a, you know, a socialite with them who, like, I'm into it. I just don't think, like, yeah. I don't know. I just, I want her to have more sex. I also, like, want their, like, I don't want to watch... The original show didn't like crack into fam- familial relationships often. You know, like yes there was the relationship between Charlotte and Bunny. And yeah, was that her name Bunny? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: McDougal. Charlotte and
2: Bunny, there was definitely there was um Miranda and, you know, the and Steve's mom. Like there were there were in-law relationships, but in terms of like parents none, in terms of siblings very few like quick flashes. So, like, the the fact that we're getting in this new character and we're supposed to care about, like, your dad doesn't like his mom and his mom hates you. I'm like, guys, <laughs> it's not what it is. The show is about I, – I mean, the original show was about sex. I don't know what, like, the logline for this show is except a continuation of Sex in the City. So, my assumption then is it is about being in your 50s in New York City and having sex and falling in love and dating and being single. so. I have to like. I just am not interested in like. You know, uh, what is Lando Calrissian's name? Oh
1: my god, uh, uh, Billy D. Williams. And to your point, they retconned like in the first episode, apparently of last season. LtW said that she lost her father, so they don't even have a show bible for the original series. They don't have a show oh. bible for fucking last season. <laughs> and I was like, was Billy D. Williams so eager to join the show? They're like, whatever. Nobody's gonna fucking remember this. I was like, this is maddening
2: that's crazy I didn't see that but I was just like you know I love Billy I mean I don't know if I love Billy Woody Williams but I'm happy to see him working yeah. but I also am just like you know this I never we never met Carrie's mom we never met Miranda's mom we you know we saw Charlotte's dad's as an extra at when her wedding I don't care about LTW's dad right now you know
0: also, I just have to say, and this is before the edible hit, I spent a lot of time at the New York Housewives premiere talking to Tony Danza because I'm a super fan of honeymoon in Vegas. So I went yeah. up to him. People so unfortunately cute. were genuinely going up to him and being like, who's the boss? <laughs>
1: Fucking guy,
0: but I went up to him and I was like, "Here's the tea." I went to see the show three or four times. Like, we it was need to talk about he was, it. So it was good. He was so good in it. He was so good in it, and his face like lit up. So he was talking about a new production that he's working on with like all these people and whatever else. And at one point, someone cut in, and they were like, Chase dad," and I had. Abso- I like didn't know what they were talking about at first because it had been completely removed from my body that he <laughs> had any role in this season. I genuinely forgot, which yeah. I don't know what that says about anything, probably nothing, story of my life, but like it just to me was a little bit of an indicator of how deeply un- memorable a lot of this is and my connection to... Sex and the City originally isn't that I can necessarily pull out every point of every episode, even though I probably can. It's that the show felt memorable and connective. And this feels like something that we're trying to survive. And it's like, okay, it might get better, (laughs) but I don't know what the lesson is from this except to try not to hold
1: it against the original show itself or maybe do that. I don't know.
2: I don't know either.
1: Yeah, I think you were protecting yourself and the memory of Tony Danza in your head, and that was a self-protective technique, and I think that's, <laughs> a- that's correct. Yeah, I
0: think at this point, self-protection is incredibly important. So as you continue <laughs> to watch season two, let that be the thing that we keep in mind. And also, Curry can be hot. And that, I don't know that that is breaking news in the way that the show wants us to think it is, but, um, you it's know. It's insulting. It is insulting, um, and we stand, curry in this house. Um, listen, and Damien, I could talk to you about and just like that forever, and I don't know what that says about me at this point based on the quality of the show. But I would love for you guys to come back on tip uh, at the end of this season to unpack it, because we'll see what happens most especially with that Samantha cameo and where the fuck the show goes next
2: oh my god please have us back i can't get over this show
0: <laughs> i can't get over it and that's why taking it personally exists Anne and Damien, can you tell the ags the tippers again a thing that no one is interested in me using um where they can follow you on social <laughs> and listen yes. to episodes of your iconic
1: podcast you might know her from Thank you so much for having us, Sarah. Yeah, you can find us uh, wherever you listen to your podcast at You Might Know Her From. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Rodeman, that's R O D E M A N N E. And you can follow us uh, on Instagram for our show at You Might Know Her From. Damien, you want to spell out your name for the fine folks?
2: Yeah, you can follow me on all of the things (laughs) at Damien Bellino. It's Damien with an A. And you can follow, uh, yeah, You Might Know Her From on TikTok and Instagram at, at, at that name. Um, yeah, and come uh, come find us. It's we're it's sort of an inside the Actors Studio meets something stupider, hosted by best friends who are also <laughs> gay. <laughs>
0: Um, love that, guys! Thanks for listening. Follow me on whatever—I don't know—Instagram and Threads at Dame Galley. I might put up a little thing on Threads asking for people's reactions to season two and to you. Um, I was about to say you might know her from season two. You might know Carrie Bradshaw from, and just like that. Um, I'm very curious for people's thoughts. And thanks for listening, Damien and Ann. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. Thank you, Sarah. All right, guys. We will chat with you soon. Bye, bye.